Minnesota, we've got famously abundant lakes, the headwaters of a major river, bird migrations, wide open prairies, beautiful forests. There are so many ways to connect with the natural world, but social issues and personal experiences can shape people's relationships to nature. Racial inequities especially have made it harder for some folks to access green space, and fears can make someone feel less safe in the outdoors. In spite of these challenges, there are rich histories within BIPOC communities of people connecting with nature in a lot of different ways. Our next guest has spent a lot of time digging into these stories. Erin Sharkey is a Minneapolis-based writer, organizer, and filmmaker. She's the editor of a new essay collection called A Darker Wilderness, Black Nature Writing from Soil to Stars, and she's with us to talk about it. Erin, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. You write in the intro that nature writing is dominated by white cisgender men with access to resources. Why do you think that's true for that genre in particular? Well, I think that nature writing is similar to other sorts of nature-based companies and and businesses, right? So things like... um, you know, companies that have gear that uh, is specific in the fashion of of the sort of fields. I think that um, that nature is all tied to sort of um, forward expansion and westward expansion in the United States. It's not um, sort of separate from the ways that the American experiment has been about colonization, um, and that has been dominated by by white cis men as well, and continues mm-hmm. to be. So what's missing from that view of nature writing is just the full picture as we've seen in, in throughout history. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of nature as a sort of um, neutral space, um, a non-political space. But if you think about the history of this country, think about redlining, think about Jim Crow laws of sundowner towns, um, those those things affected the ways that we interact with nature even to today, um, the ways that cities are made up, where um, green space is allocated, uh, and how that green space is maintained. And so I think it's important for us to think about nature as a political, a political thing. What do you think stops many Black people from doing the things outdoor writers write about? Well, I think that sometimes we think of nature as a place that's far away, that you have to go, that you like conquer a space that hasn't been conquered before. You climb a, you know, a mountain that hasn't been um, mounted before. But I think that nature could be something that you find in your, in your neighborhood, in your, in your house, in your space. But I think that sometimes the lack of safety comes from um, unfamiliarness with, with rural spaces, which is often where we go to find nature. Um, I know that I'm part of a, an organization called Root Springs. We have a retreat center in central Minnesota. And um, we asked our community to be with us in that journey to, to, to take over stewarding of Root Springs. And we asked them to, to take the journey out there. And, and they talked about some things around um, like public displays of political opinions that maybe were threatening to them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yes, signs, political signs, uh, flags, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But those sort of signaled other things around whether or not they felt safe in rural spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was important for us to create a space where that was really centering people of color and queer folks. So I want to ask about the book. I, I love how sure. objects from the writer's personal archives or uh, a grandpa's fishing 
tackle box or a newspaper yeah, photograph yeah. are used to reflect on how nature has influenced the lives of black folks over time. Um, the inspiration is is lovely. How did you why did you decide to to look at objects and records from garden clubs and farmers almanacs, that kind of thing? Sure. Yeah, the inspiration for the the collection actually was born at um, the Anderson Library at the University of Minnesota. Um, I was granted a residency in the Anderson collection, um, the Gibbons collection there, which is a collection of African-American literature and other ephemera. Um, And I really, I stumbled on an an ex-slave narrative, which is part of the Federal Writers Project in that collection, and was really fascinated by the way that the formerly enslaved person was describing their relationship with a garden. And that just led me down this incredible um, research uh, rabbit hole to find lots of other um, evidence of the the relationship of Black folks to nature Um, and the actual opportunity for Black folks to feel autonomy and pride um, in in an oppressive situation where that wasn't possible. So the design of the book is um, each of the essays are connected to an archival object, one that's either of personal significance to the writer, something that was in their personal private collection, their family collection, or it was something that was um, found in research in um, the archives. And that's a way to to sort of um, actually infuse into the historical narrative um, our own personal stories to, to fill in the holes that are sort of inevitable because uh, in the same way that nature isn't neutral, um, the archive is not neutral. Tell me about your essay. You write about a mathematician named Benjamin Banneker. Tell our listeners yeah. who he was. Well, I'm a huge Benjamin Banneker fan. I don't think he gets enough attention. I think we should be celebrating his contributions. He was a watchmaker, a mathematician. He um, also was a farmer. And um, he's famous because he was um, worked with the Ellicotts, who were responsible for the city planning of Washington, D.C., but also um, the city of Buffalo, which is a place that I lived for almost a decade, um, living on an urban farm. And so I was trying to think of a way to talk about my time on the farm and um, spending time with Benjamin Banneker, I was able to celebrate lots of things. He was uh, somebody who tracked the 17 year cicada and he had this go- these gorgeous almanacs that had a feature called the best days calendar. And that's something you can find in other farmers almanacs, but I love the best days calendar. It's a advice that takes into account long observations from farmers and astro- astronomical phenomena to tell you the best day to cut your hair or, um, shear a sheep or repay a debt to a neighbor. And so I started to think about whether an urban place also has that same sort of natural rhythm, something that you could um, observe that has to do with both the way that people are interacting with plants and animals, but also the way they're interacting with each other. Because I think that we're all natural too. Mm, I love that. I love that. Say, I want to, before I go here, um, in your mm-hmm. intro, you also mentioned nature's capacity to teach, which is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So you can you share mm-hmm. something with me that nature has taught you about nature, about yourself? Yeah, um, I think that nature has taught me the power of observation, the power of staying still in a place and seeing it change in front of you, the things that I'm not even affecting. Um, I think that it's valuable to see the way that it fits um, together and that the you can see micro changes in, in the seasons, micro changes in the environment, if you're just able to slow down enough to watch. And I think that's true in other parts of my life too. It's just hard to slow down. How, and I bet you I probably know. do slow down <laughs> when you're in nature. You have to. 
I try to, yeah. And that's part of um, the, our relationship with Root Springs, the retreat center, was really wanting to emphasize the importance of rest, um, the importance of respite and planning and incubating ideas. And so I spend some time out there and I definitely feel right away that my, my body slows down, my brain slows down. And that's when the good thoughts come, I think. That's a gift. Aaron, thank you so much for your time and thank you for the gift of your, your collection of essays. Thank you, Kathy. It was great to, to be here. Aaron Sharkey is the editor of the new anthology, A Darker Wilderness, Black Nature Writing from Soil to Stars.